Alright, this is episode 12 of Rick Tonight. I'm Chris. I'm Ryan. How do we do Rick Tonight? Uh, well, each of us brings a record to to the table that's based on a theme. We show it off to each other, and then we discuss it. Alright, and our, pretty, our theme this Pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah, our theme this week is underrated. And, um, it is. This is our 12th episode, right? Yeah, but it's like the third time we tried to do it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, we've been having technical difficulties. This is our first episode in quarantine. Yeah, so this, but techni- technology hates Ryan. Uh, I yeah. know when the first couple episodes we did, they're all kind of fucked up because I've been trying. It just didn't work with you, man. But I don't know what the work. deal is. The microphones didn't like me, and then now doing this over the internet doesn't like me. But hey, we at least we do it on quarantine. Where this is the first episode we're doing apart. That's true. It hurts, man. And man, if this doesn't work, we're just going to have to post screenshots of our text messages back and forth. (laughs) And that'll be our our show. How's how's quarantine been treating you, pal? It's been all right. I'm, you know, doing school and also doing some remote work for the school. um, And I'm just having so much trouble staying motivated when I have the entirety of Netflix and Hulu and YouTube and all that shit on on tap at any given moment i don't do anything or my music i just don't do anything all day until it's like midnight and then i'm like oh shit i got something to do tomorrow <laughs> so uh i surprisingly have not had a hard time staying focused on work i feel like i get more done at home than uh-huh. i did at, at the office partially because i'm blaring music or podcasts all the time at work i have this thing at work i had this uh, beanie that connects to wi-fi <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and there it speakers in the ears part of it and so that i've been using uh, but you know it's it's hot it's, it's like getting hot outside so i mean i'm i i kind of miss the office a little bit but uh home hasn't been as hard as i thought it would be so yeah i'm not really going stir crazy yet or anything yeah. which is nice yeah. i'm just realizing i can't stay motivated at home uh the cool thing is that uh, Mills Record Company here in Kansas City, they uh, are pretty good about seeing out records the day you order them. Like for yeah, like, and you got um, they have different categories of curated care packages they've been doing, and you got outsider oddball and outsider music, music right? Yeah, something like that. It, yeah, oddballs and outsiders are just weird music in general, yeah. which is yeah, that's my which, thing. What'd you end up getting with that one? I got yeah. um, it's Shakti. With John McLaughlin, uh, I think it's their second album called Hand of Beauty. And it's like jazz fusion meets traditional Indian music. And Shakti, he was a guitar player for Miles Davis during his electric period? No, John McLaughlin was. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay. Shakti is, I think, the name of the the band. With the worst. Yeah, you showed me the album cover. It looks like the, like, it looks like the 19th. He's got John McLaughlin just like hugging his guitar. Like it's supposed to look like happiness, but it kind of looks like he's leering at you from behind his guitar. <laughs> and, and then the I got um, it. I don't I think it's a self-titled album by DeLoreans, um, which is like a Japanese jazz fusion thing. They sent me a couple jazz fusion things, um, yeah. which they weren't the weirdest things I've ever listened to, but they were <laughs> they were awesome. Like they they whip all kinds of ass. Like I'm going to keep listening to them. Yeah. I mean, What'd you, you get? Me... OK, so I got. Two packages, but Run Record came with each because uh, they're I guess they're a new record. So I got Apocalyptic Music, which was one of the categories, and they sent me uh, Godspeed You Black Emperors, Luciferian Towers, which I think is a twenty their last record. I think twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Yeah, um, that one's my favorite of their comeback albums so far. And then, and then uh, they I I did Essential albums, but the thing is, I also ordered like just a regular record with it by a band called Milk Belly. Uh-huh. Uh, not and uh they're like a i guess 
I guess noise noise rock our bedroom pub mixed together. But uh-huh. um, uh, since uh, since the guy who works there, uh, I guess his name's Ryan too. <laughs> I think he put a note on the record saying, "Since you were in Milk Belly, uh, I thought this might be a sister record for you." And it was Melvin's Houdini, nice from 1993. Uh, and I, I, yeah, fucking hell yeah, <laughs> I like that record a lot. Was that it, the uh, the third man reissue? Yeah, the third man reissue. So it's 180 gram. It's thick as fuck. And man, nice. the, the third man know how to fucking reissue records, and they know how to make them too. It's great. And yeah, then they, uh, I got I got milk all belly. All stuff they do. Oh, yeah. Uh, did the third man also re- reissue other Melvin's records? Yeah, they've been doing their like the Atlantic years is what they call them. So it's Houdini, uh, Stoner Witch, and Stag, which are I think. Those three are like the best starting point for listening okay. to Melvin, but they're really, really good. So yeah, it's sludgy and, and dark and dirty. I fucking love it. Yeah, give me, give me a quick thing. I, I think you might know this. Um, so it says Kurt Cobain produced part of Houdini. Uh huh. Right? Is that is that right? Because that's what I saw on the it's on there produced it's, by all like three people and Kurt Cobain yeah, did some producing. Yes and no. He was but Buzz uh, King Buzzo has said like. He was present in the studio, but he was mostly sleeping and kind of doped out a lot of the time. So he didn't really do a lot. He played guitar on the song uh, Sky Pup. I know that. Okay. All right. That's about it. He was mostly just kind of hanging out. He didn't really make any big decisions. Sort of aged out the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess even on that album, like the credited bass player didn't even play a lot of the bass on it because she was kind of just like, oh, I don't really feel like being in the band or they were kind of on the out and out. She's on the back cover. <laughs> yeah. The back, yeah. But um, yeah, I put that shit on yesterday. Not that shit. I put that on yesterday. Uh, and it, it fucking, it was rolling. I was really into it. So I love, and, I love that album. Yeah. And that's, that's right. Reality too. So uh, let's talk about underrated. So what yeah. did you take underrated? Um, well, originally I was kind of looking at some stuff like, I guess bands I overall thought were underrated, like um, bands within genres that just don't get mentioned very much, but I think mm-hmm. are pretty good. Like there was um, like Ufo Mammut for kind of like that heavier, like kind of like doom metal or something like that, that they're they're heavy and kind of stonery, but they're not quite like a stoner metal band. But I think mm-hmm. they're really interesting. We're checking out. And then I was like, all right, well, I think the best way to do this would be to just pick an underrated album by a band, like something in a band's discography that's overlooked or um, kind of pushed aside for different reasons. So one of mine was going to be in the wake of Poseidon by King Crimson, mm-hmm. which most people just kind of brush off as in the court of the Crimson King too. I mean, I'm, like, sure, I'm sure at some point during this uh, course of us doing the show, you'll bring in a King Crimson, King, King Crimson record, right? Oh, 100%. It <laughs> might even be that one at some point. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just a lot of people are like, oh, it's, you know, in the court of the Crimson King, too, which is like, yeah, but that album's really good. I'll take a second one. But (laughs) a lot of people Uh, don't like it Um, or take off your pants and jacket by Blink-182. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because it's like a weird, a weird middle, middle child is that you have their most popular enema of the state. And you have kind of like their most critically acclaimed, I think, um, with their self-titled after that. Yeah. And take off your and pants it, and jackets kind of like right in the middle. Nobody really talks about it, but I think it has 
It's my favorite it's, of theirs. It's their last record where they were still being like Juno, like potty humor. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, it's like, a lot of people have said it's almost like a concept album about teenage stuff. Yeah, which is like oh, I think you might be giving them a little bit too much credit. I don't think they, they thought of it that way, but they sort of abandoned sure. that that uh, that uh, funny stuff on the on the cell tower, right? I hadn't listened to anything past the cell tower. Did you follow Blink past that? Not really. Okay, so they're, sorry guys. Their hiatus and their hiatus and breakup kind of. Um, I, I guess I grew out of it, maybe, yeah. or I just stopped being interested, and then they got back together, and I was like, ah, I don't really care. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like Matt Skibo, Alcohol Trio, cool. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> hey, what about you? How'd you interpret? So uh, I, I had something in mind when I actually wrote down the <laughs> wrote down the um the uh, the category for underrated. Like immediately, I went to this. And this is going to be the most uh, people. Some people, if they were me, they might, might say this is embarrassing what I picked. Uh, but this is a band I, I fucking love. Uh, Underrated was basically with you, but it's it's a uh, this band by uh, by itself to me is underrated. And this album is like no one knows it fucking existed except right know, except people like me. Uh, but I'll go ahead and I'll go first. Yeah. It's your uh, by the way, we we didn't have a beer sponsor today. I know you're drinking old fashioned. I mm-hmm. got uh, I got unsweet tea with cherry puree from McAllister's. <laughs> so, Ooh, very nice. Yeah. yeah, I just I just made a old fashioned at home, and it's all right. I'm not a <laughs> not a mixologist by any stretch. But hey, you did it, man. You're, are yeah. you feeling like I mean, Don I watched, right now? Who Don Draper? Oh, I haven't seen Mad Men, but sure, oh, dude. Yeah, okay. Come on, I'm bad at watching TV shows. No, I watched a uh, a video on YouTube that a bunch of like chefs made their favorite cocktails, and one of them was like a rye whiskey, old fashioned. And I'm like, yeah, I want that. Okay. Yeah. And another actually, guy, go ahead. Another guy drank a uh, mezcal, and I was oh. like, ooh, that sounds good. And uh, I don't think I'm as big a fan of mezcal. <laughs> I'm going to tell a quick story of Mezcal real quick before I get to yeah. the record. So uh, me and my wife visited Mexico City a couple years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, right, so I want to say three because they did it. No, it was about a couple years ago, two years ago. We visited Mexico City in uh, November. By the way, it was it was still pretty fucking hot. But one thing I want to do in Mexico City was drink Mezcal, right? So right. Uh, we get there. Uh, we For some reason, the first day we got there, we, we ate sushi. <laughs> we ate Mexican food as all. you do. Yeah. Uh and then um the next day we took a Uber to um Tetcon. Uh by the way, we thought it would be kind of easy to get around Mexico City not knowing much Spanish and boy were we wrong. It was difficult. <laughs> but uh like for example, we had to talk to the, our Uber driver using Google Translate back and forth. <laughs> so, oh really? Yeah, because he wanted to talk and we were like, Okay, we'll try. But um anyway, went to Tetcon and um that's where the the pyramids are, right? Right. So Mesoamerica, pre-Aztec, right? So uh, at the gate, they had a few guides, and we we knew that the guides at the front they they have three types of guys. One guy goes through the uh, one guy who goes through the history and like really scientific. Then they have the guy who's like uh, into UFOs. He'll tell you all his shit about that. And then there's a mix. The third kind was just sort of a mix. And we found the guy who's outside the front and went with that guy, right? Uh-huh. Um, but the whole tour, he was uh, a whole tour. He's like, "What have you guys been wanting to do?" I'm like, "I've been wanting to try mezcal." And he's like, "Oh, okay." And so we took us through the through the ruins, and then he's like, "You guys want to go to the cave that's on site?" And we're like, "Absolutely." So 
he wakes his hand up and this jalopy pulls up. He tells us to get in the car, right? And uh-huh. we don't know this guy. He's just there. And we're like, and we do it. And my wife's texting me, we're going to die. He's going to kill us. <laughs> like, like it was dumb as fuck for us to get in the car, but we did. And he did take us to a cave. And uh, the cave was pretty cool. It was under the ruins. And then he took us to a spot where there's no light whatsoever, like complete darkness. He told me to turn my phone off, which I did. And he decided to perform some Reiki rituals on us. You know, he asked me, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, my God. Like, like what the fuck? But uh, <laughs> he asked me things I'm worried about, and he waved his hands over me. He's like, you feel that? And I was like, yeah, but I couldn't feel anything. <laughs> you know? <laughs> same, with, same with my wife. And then we went up to the padded cave, and there was like a there's like a light cracking through like the top of it, and there was like a flower pad. He's like, I made that. We're like, that's cool. And then finally, we're almost done, and he takes us to a bar on site, and he gets me fucked up on Mescal, like uh-huh. like <laughs> super fucking drunk. Like he's like, you want to try Mescal? I was like, yeah. And I got some. He's like, here's another one. I'm like yeah. And then he brought three more, and he tried to offer them to my wife. My wife's like, he's like, no, I don't want that. So I got super fucked up, super fucked up. And I bought a lot of stuff at that bar, like <laughs> souvenirs. Um, and then it was time for us to climb the pyramids. Uh, I was super fucked up and fucked up and drunk and sweating profusely because I'm, you know, a drunk and all that. So uh-huh. uh, there's two pyramids. There's, there's the moon and then the sun pyramid. The moon one's kind of short, but I didn't go up there. I'm like, I'll take a picture of my wife from the bottom of that. Yeah. So we did that. But then – the the sun pyramid and uh man i don't know how to explain how fucking like how hard that was on me dude i was like i was like falling down coughing like like i i was so out of shape man and i was laying down at every level like just with the, my hand over my head just like oh my god people were laughing at me trying to give me like high fives when i made it to the top like making fun of me <laughs> and i was seriously thinking like 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 how am I gonna get that? I thought they'd have to helicopter me off. That's how awful I felt. Oh my Cause god! I was, but because by that time I was hungover and feeling like dog shit. But we made it down uh, after that, and uh, th- that was the most memorable thing about the Mexico City trip. Uh, the other memorable thing is that the third day, me and my wife got violently ill, and it's the second time I actually shit my pants as an adult. Wow! Yeah, but uh, yeah, man, Mexico City is fun. Nice. <laughs> All right. And you have those dookie drawers framed yeah, on yeah. the wall as a memory. I, actually, I threw them in the trash can. <laughs> like, like, and I, and I, we're not sure what we got sick on. Uh, we had like some watermelon that was probably bathed in the city water there, which probably might have been it. Or either that, and I don't want to say this, we had Tacos El Pastor, like, like the most famous in Mexico City. Uh, that could have got us sick too. I don't know, but yeah. I, I had a good time. I went to the Frida Kahlo Museum, which was pretty cool there. Oh, nice. And, and we did a bunch of walking around, a bunch of walking around. And we went um, on the Day of the Dead, but they didn't really have a festival. Oh, like, weird. And, yeah. I guess that was only Inspector, the movie. <laughs> that Double Seven movie. That's the only time they celebrate it. <laughs> like, like they yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we had Sugar Skulls and all that stuff. But anyway, the record I picked, <laughs> there is a band from Seattle, Washington, named Harvey Danger. Now, uh, a lot of people will love Harvey Danger into that uh, one-hit wonder category with the Wallflowers and Fastball. And that Wallflower song, you've heard that song before, right? Like the one headlight? Did you listen to yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. But so, now that you mentioned Fastball, I, I've listened to the Fastball song a lot more because I bought that album because that song rips. <laughs> Do you own a Matchbox 20 record too? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got that. I had that. Show <laughs> I don't know if I still own. I definitely don't still own, but uh, I would say at least once every three months, I talk about Matchbox Twenty with a friend of mine. <laughs> well, hey, is this has it been three months? Uh, just about because okay. you know what happened. It it must be some universe thing because fucking Rob Tom- Thomas came across my Facebook feed because he did a live stream concert. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch it. I don't like Matchbox 20, but my friend loves Matchbox 20. So I oh, basically make fun him. of okay. Yeah, I make fun of Matchbox 20 and Rob Thomas. I keep wanting to call him Rob Rhombus, but I know that's not his name. <laughs> I, I, Rob I Thomas. Rob Zombus, maybe. <laughs> Ooh, I yeah, listen to that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Imagine that. But okay, have an angel. Um that's all right. Uh Harvey and Jeff formed in 1993 in Seattle, Washington. Everyone knows through their song Five Pulse Sitter, or they also know by the Paranoid Paranoid by Green Day, <laughs> which is uh, the, the song was called um, Napster Paranoid. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it says by Green Day or Weezer, and, but it's called Five Pulse Sitter. My favorite song is Woo Hoo by the Gorillas. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I mean, or Woo Hoo by Burr. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They'll at least get the band right sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um <clears throat> Fightful Sitter. Uh everyone knows that song. I'm not sick, but I'm not well. It's a, hey, it's a fun song. But great uh, song. Yeah. So uh they uh that interesting like I don't want to say interesting, they're not really interesting. They're they got together, they played a few she shows, they made a demo cassette, and then they made a record, and before the record, they're about to break up and all of a sudden K-Rod picked up that song and everyone started playing it and it blew up and they did that that shit, right? The first record, where will where have all the Mary Makers gone will probably show up at some point in our uh, show's history. But right. today I'm doing King James version, their second record. And this is underrated because uh no one listened to it except me. And um we'll talk everyone more about was too it. Too distracted by the King James version of the Bible. Yeah, I know, right? Um uh, when they did Merrymakers, they were, when they did King Day's version, they, they recorded it, and then they turned the record label, and they didn't hear back for like a year. Because at that time, merged and acquisitions, like their record label, Sire, was uh, was a sort of, and Slash was sort of being bought out by the Arena Rock Recording Company. Uh-huh. So after after that, they sent their album, and they think it delivered like a year later, and there was no buzz. They were supposed to tour the Pretenders, but that fell through. And they were supposed to do a bunch of festivals, but because there was no buzz and there was, the record label was like, fuck it. This, this just got put out and that was kind of it. Right. Right. Uh, uh, I do know that some of the songs, well, at least one song showed up on a, uh, dude, where's my car? <laughs> but, um, nice. <laughs> but, uh, I actually bought this record probably the week it came out, not knowing it came out that week. Um, in 2000, it came out in 2000. Uh, so there's that, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, uh, I, uh, September 12th, 2000, so 364 days till the thing that changed our nation forever. Never forget. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, I mean, are you the type of person that when you talk about records, do you think pre-9-11 or post-9-11? Are you that type of dude? Not really. I've already forgotten about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, how old were you when it happened? 11. Okay, I was 16 or 15 or 16. I mean, I remember. Obviously, hey, okay. I remember it. Um, okay. But it's... It's like such a weird thing to think um, just because I don't know, maybe I haven't looked into it too much. Maybe I should, but I don't really remember like a musical shift, at least as far. I wasn't really like listening to music uh, 
super intently then. I'm trying to remember what I... I was listening to Self-Titled by Blink-182. Okay, okay. <laughs> and stuff like that. The edited version, because I was in middle school, my parents wouldn't let me have uh, bad words. See, my parents didn't really pay attention to what I listened to, so I was listening to NFL and shit. Um, and, uh, um, I think I, I was listening to edited Beastie Boys at some point, but I think to the five boroughs. Um, but I think that was post nine 11. I, I only noticed it because, uh, all the records just started, uh, slagging on George Bush, like immediately following that. Like, like all oh, the bands, yeah. Listened, yeah, this one's super political. Um, and we'll talk about political bands at some point, but, uh, Harvard is not political. Um, they, uh, put this record out. Um, it's, uh, it consists of three people, uh, Aaron, Huff- uh, four people, Aaron Huffman, Jeff Lynn, guitar player, uh, Evan Salt, uh, drummer and the lead singer, Sean Nelson. Sean Nelson also edited The Stranger, the underground Seattle newspaper for a good minute. Um, they're smart, they're funny, and I fucking love Harvey Danger. Like, I have bootlegs and shit of, like, record shows they've done. I, uh, nice. I was one of, like, 12 people on their message board. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was a big, big fan. And this, uh, and so... I remember after this record came out and I listened to it and I loved it. They hadn't updated their website for a long time. I remember sending them a, a letter on my AOL account asking what happened to the band. Mm-hmm. I was like 13. Must have been fucking uh, painful to see. But um, uh, the King Days version, uh, you can find it on Spotify. And we're going to go ahead and uh, give you 10 seconds to find that shit, listen to it, and then come back. So we'll see you soon. So that was uh, Harvey Danger's King James version. Uh, I liked that a lot, yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, does it sound dated to you? Not really. Um, they did a lot of stuff I really enjoy um, that bands do. Um, they change stuff up a lot, like, but it was a lot of like subtle things. So it's like even the songs themselves weren't getting old while I was listening to them because um, they were just. Every, like every verse they would do something new like we'll we'll get into each individual song at some point but no i don't think it it doesn't sound like a what when was it 2001 2000 it doesn't sound like a 2000s thing no it sounds like in my mind like, 2000s is like that's like in sync and yeah. backstreet boys millennium it's kind of that weird like i don't know neo-futurism <laughs> i don't even know how to describe it it's, it's gonna be very me. sterile clean yeah weird stuff and this just this sounds good still so when when the press asked them what inspired the writing of this record very little press but some did they said they're going into it very anti-pop and that's that's totally it like to me like yeah they went, it's totally seattle indies rock it's indie rock in 2000s. Like that's, that's what it sounds like to me. Um, and it was sort of, I guess my first exposure to that type of music. I, I, I don't think it sounds dated. I listened to it. It's 20 years old almost. Right. Yeah. It's like it's so him. Yeah, I, I, I have a great, great love for this record. I listened to it. I listened to it constantly when I was in high school and, you know, I still put it on at least once a month and spin it. Uh, nice. Yeah. It's thing. always, so would you say this is kind of, is this in your like top five, top ten oh, albums? Yeah, yeah. It's in my, it's in my top five consistently, and it, it's uh the one I guess I'd say I'd be most afraid to admit to people. But I am not the type of guy who really believes in guilty pleasures. Uh, yeah, I don't I have believe- a lot of guilty pleasures. I have a lot of stuff that like <laughs> maybe I don't want 
some of my college friends looking on Spotify and seeing me like listening to Cannibal Corpse. And it's like, <laughs> Ryan, are you listening to a song called Fucked with a Knife? Yeah. <laughs> <To> where... <laughs> so, did you listen to that Gorgrind shit? No, I can never get into Gorgrind because it's, it's almost a parody. Yeah, like yeah. I listen to some noisy, abrasive shit, but yeah. it's almost like too edgy and too much of a joke that I'm just kind of like, eh, nah. I do like Grindcore though. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, so um, wh- which is of, not at all like Harvey Danger. No, Harvey Danger are alternative rock band. They're <laughs> they're indie band. And um, the the thing about the uh, that record is sort of from the very beginning, you sort of a dicks out audacious sort of a vibe from them because the lead singer is just a complete arrogant asshole. But the thing is, really, not the name asshole. the name of the album being called King's King James Version. <laughs> like it is the Bible didn't tip you off that it might be kind of arrogant. Yeah. So, but uh, as so as I as uh, I've learned, the lead singer of Harvey Danger, Sean Nelson, does not think that arrogance is an insult. He thinks it's a a, a compliment, uh, and that's fair. I, I um, let's let's just start from the beginning of this record. Meanings of the Remarkable Man. Yeah. Uh, it starts out with a little. Uh, a jumpy guitar. I don't think it's in four four times. It doesn't sound like it is, right? It's uh, not a weird touch. Not, of yeah, it's not it a gave weird... me a a hives vibe. If we're gonna go back to kind of early two thousand stuff, like it sounded kind of like the hives before it really yeah. like kicked off. Um, our nature, they do a lot of uh, they reference a lot of pop culture and literature. In fact, the 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 course of the song "Show Me a Human or Write Your Tragedy" is actually an F. Scott Fitzgerald quote, not from oh, nice. his book, but an interview, right? Uh, throughout the song, he references Morrissey. He references Kip Winger <laughs> with the band Winger. Or Winger. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I guess the best way to describe the song is sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of it's just him trying to get through life, I guess. But a lot of the songs about like, like right. trying to find a, a thesis in the song is sort of hard. Uh, the, the last line uh, is not listed, in the lyric, not listed in the um, original lyrics booklet. And it was, he screams it <laughs> in the, on the record, so you can't really make out what he says. Uh-huh. Um, and on the message board, we asked him straight up what it says, and he's like, Guess it. So we got really close, right? <laughs> and it says, Just because it's meta doesn't make it any better, is what he says, right? Yeah, uh, and it even says that meta with a beta with a B E T T A, according to the booklet. I got there, uh, I got there last show. Let me pull it. Yeah, oh, nice, yeah, right, yeah, there, yeah, so um. But uh, that's just a cute little uh, thing that I uh, brag about knowing. Um, <laughs> so it when out you the, say uh, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of like references and things mm-hmm. like literature and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, did you find yourself uh, since you like you know this band and this album so much? Did you explore some of that stuff? Like, oh, this is uh, this is a literature reference to. Uh, it's like you said, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Like, did you read F. Scott Fitzgerald or something like well, that? Because you I, had read the, uh, I, I had to read the Great Gatsby for school, but I did read This Side of Paradise before that. <laughs> so, oh, nice. uh, that's Saturday school, and I was like, I just brought it and finished it that that day. Uh, and um, I mean, I, I've always been a, I've always been a pretty um, I read I read a lot, and which so when I had Saturday school, I'm like, oh, it's using excuse to read this book I'm gonna want to read. Big deal. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, means to is the opening track, and then we get into Humility on Parade. I thought uh, this one had a really interesting like drum pattern, drum groove mm-hmm. that I really liked. Yeah, it's a uh, it's also the sort of first uh, inkling you get that that um, 
the Aaron Aaron Huffman, the guitar player, or no, I'm sorry, the bass player, rest in peace. Um, he uh, he uh, he sort of treated his bass like a lead instrument, but you uh-huh. really hear in actually the a couple songs later or the next song. But uh, yeah, Parade, the one after this one. Yeah, so uh, Parade, it's, it's I don't it's um it doesn't really have a traditional structure. It just sort of goes through a couple verses. It's um it's a weird song. <laughs> it's yeah. probably to me the weirdest song on the record. Uh, it ends great. It's uh, it's I don't want to call it a rock song. It's just it's just kind of weird. <laughs> it kind of in like it it does rock a decent amount at the oh, end. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it mm-hmm. starts off as a slow song and just it evolves in such an interesting way that I was super invested because if it's like stuff would change and I'd be like, oh, what's going on here? What's that? This is cool. Like I I really really liked this song. And then we get into uh, why I'm only. Starts out yeah. slow as well, but it, basically the bass drives this song. It's and not like not necessarily like a like a thumping way. It, it is a lead instrument in this song. The bass is yeah. He's doing like chords and just doing a lot of really cool stuff with the bass. This was my favorite song on the album. Yeah, uh, I love the lyrics on "Why I'm Lonely." Um, uh, so it starts out. It references uh, it says Saint Leonard touched the Philistine. Uh, and it talks later on. And it says um, it mentions modern love, which is a Leonard Cohen record. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so and you know that's actually mentioned. I think in the lyric thing I have over here. Uh, just so you guys know, I have a book full of our Ninja lyrics that was sold at their final show. I didn't go to the final show because I couldn't afford it, but people who did bought it for me, and since it's in the mail to me, it's a good times for that. Um, were these message board people? They were, and nice. I, I, I actually uh, ran to one of them at IHOP a long ass time ago. And because I, I saw him wearing a hard danger shirt that they sold to last record, and I, I sort of I got over the like the partition. I was like, "Hey man, hey man, great, great band, great band." He's like, "Hard danger." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And um, I found out who he was on the message board. I ended up not really liking the guy at all. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, he was the he was the asshole of the what thirteen people yeah. that was on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he lived in the same town as me. That weird, which is weird enough. Um, Dang, it's got weird uh, lines we, like. It, Independence and indifference are the wings which allow the heart to fly. Um, yeah, I liked um, an object lesson in uh, making me feel benign. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. That was a and good then, one. Um, so you said solitude is not the same as singularity. I like that a lot too. Um, the, this is the first song I think on the record that really, I mean, they have quippy lyrics, but a lot of this song, the lyrics are great. I really love uh, Why I'm Only. Yeah, then we, uh, it does so, kind of, um, it, it get it sounds really cool at the end, and it did remind me of a a lot of this stuff. Like I don't know if other bands were inspired by it or I what. But I feel I maybe <laughs> like it sounded. Some of it sounded like Interpol. Some of it sounded like Pinback. At one point, my fiance said it sounded like like Radiohead. I don't know how well she knows Radiohead, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I like I heard a lot of that. Like there's a lot of these bands that I think got way bigger than uh, Harvey Danger. Uh, but it's like they're doing super interesting stuff on this album and it doesn't get talked oh, yeah. about. Yeah, the lead singer says there's songs on this uh, record that he, or sounds on this record he loves and sounds he hates. He didn't necessarily tell me the sounds he hates, and I'm not going to be the guy to speculate about that because I fucking love this record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think anything's out of place in it. But uh, let's get to the next song Sats Me Hard of the Rodeo. There's a video after this song. Yeah, played in this one was a single, song. right? It's a single, and it sounds like a single. It's a mm-hmm. uh, rocking, it's a. Uh, it starts out pretty weird with um like what turns out to be an organ, electric organ, playing the being, and then the 
pop, 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 and then you hear the very two thousands alternative rock guitar come in and do the lead. <laughs> and um, a lot of people would say this song sounds a lot like Five Plus City because the verse is a clean, you know, clean uh-huh. verse, loud chorus. Um, this song has a lot of woohoo's in it, like woo. Uh, but um, yeah. <laughs> The album actually had a decent amount of woos and oos and yeah, it, all and that a lot stuff. of it, a lot of it sounds kind of corny, or people are just turned off by it. I fucking love it. I'm <laughs> fine with I'm fine with a well placed woo and oo. Yeah, um, I, I said I, they mentioned that Velvet Underground in this uh, in this song for uh-huh. Cowboy Bill, Cowboy Bill, <laughs> like uh, uh, Cowboy Bill Warrior. That's a Velvet Underground song. Okay. There we go. More references. Uh, <laughs> uh, I really, there were just a lot of really interesting things happening on this song. Like I think like the organ sounds really cool. And every time there's like a instrumental break, they're doing something new. Like at one point they're doing like clashing, like organ and synth sounds. And then the next time it happens, there's a guitar solo. And then the next time is it's something different. And it's, they just had that bit of creativity where they could have just rode, rode the chords, kind of like let the bridge or instrumental break happen. Um, but they they put something in there that just sounds really cool. Oh yeah, and so I, I, and I really like that, that every time. Yeah, so this was the song I think when I first bought the record, I really gravitated towards because right. I was I was thirteen. Um, <laughs> then we get to the you missed the point completely. Uh, I get the point exactly. That's the name of that song. And um, this sort of the record it's it's mostly electric piano. This whole song, uh-huh. uh, a jaunty beat and really cool lines like a uh, you know, like a kid in a carpet store. Um, yep, <laughs> and this this song sort of uh it sort of uh informs how I act at parties in the first place, like refusing to be interesting, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, yeah, because uh, if you're interesting, you got to have a conversation. <laughs> I know, and I'm like, I just want to fucking leave. Why would I be here? You know. <laughs> but it's got stuff uh, like um like the last uh, part of it uh, has the thing where he does several times several times that record have a line of metaphors like uh, your popular opinion. Easy thing to foster, ostentatious tourists, which a bunch of ten dollar awards in this record too. Right, preposterous. But uh, I, I, the weirdest, the best thing about this song. Uh, but uh, I think it's a funny song too. Yeah, uh, the the opening part um, is pretty cool. But about like I think it's like right at the midpoint, you get this cool thing. It, it's almost like it sounds like a sci- like an old like sci fi TV show sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it ends on kind of like waltzy carnival music. Uh, I think the song has my favorite chorus, though. Like, it's the most earwormy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but I like this one. It's another one of those ones, like, they keep introducing kind of like new sounds. Like, I would not expect a song that has, like, like I don't know, almost piano ballady, and then it, uh, then you get, like, a weird sci-fi sound in the middle when all the instruments kick in, and then it ends with waltzy carnival music and it's like where's all this coming from yeah they had a lot of interesting stuff that they just threw in there uh which yeah is, it, it fits though like they threw it in and somehow puzzle piece fell into place yeah um then we get into the second single authenticity uh, Tom this Petty song. Song. <laughs> it's uh a fun fact it's indeed where's my car this is the oh, this where is the dude. Where's my car? One is yeah. So it's in the scene where they're right around the car right after they woke uh, like I think. In the scene, but Sean Scott and Ashton Kutcher in the car, they went like, and he sees this couple next to him, and they look at him and they make out, and then they look back and they make out just to sort of do it. They play off the tissue in that part. Um, I haven't often, seen that movie in a long time. But you have seen it. 
<laughs> oh, I used to watch it a lot. Like when that movie oh, yeah? was big. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen it more than once. So I'm not going to say that. <laughs> um, so uh, this song is the definitely the most, um, I want to say confident, but kind of dick out, dickish out, dick out song. Oh, yeah. I said that I wrote down that this song is dripping with sarcasm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a stinger, I'm a honeybee, I am a razor, please customer this with me. And he rolls the R's on a razor. He does that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's got like an all in vocal performance on this one, which I really like. Um, yes. Uh, one of the things I love about Sean Nelson is his vocal delivery in general. He has a great voice. I think so, yeah. There lots of personality and character in it. Like I I I feel like if I heard a song randomly that Sean Nelson sang, I would just say that's Sean Nelson. That's just Yeah. Cool. It's unique. Yeah. Like you would you know it's him when he's singing it. Mm-hmm. What uh, but you do you like the authenticity? It's got like a I like this know. song. It does it does that thing I keep bringing up that I really like, um, where lyrics all, like change slightly. Because he keeps repeating at some point, like I'm already spinning in my grave. I'm already spinning in my grave. And then at some point he says, I'm already spitting on your grave. And it's like, Oh, like it, it's so close that if you're not paying attention, you wouldn't notice it. Yeah. But it's it's also, also, it's an interesting line both ways. It's also, uh, it's a pretty uh, structural song. It's, it's kind of short. So I only got two verses and then chorus. And then like, I guess an outro where he cracks out his hardcore voice for a little bit. And at the end of the song, (laughs) At the end of the song, you hear start hearing these staticky little beeps with a, a maybe like a like a, a keyboard run through a distortion pedal being uh-huh. cut out, and that goes into theme from Carjack Fever. Yeah, um, I feel like the- at some point there was a really weird trend of people titlings, or maybe maybe it wasn't even a point in time, but I've noticed a lot of bands I've listened to have this. Uh, parentheses theme from before the title of a song and none of the songs I listen to sound like they're a theme from anything. This is no exception <laughs> ever. Uh, so I love this song. It, it was originally a uh, different, like they, the, the original version of the song sounds a lot like um, what's going on by three novel ones. Uh-huh. And this, this version sounds nothing like that, but it does nope, have, so there's, uh, different, there's different versions of this song. Yeah. One other different version. Uh, and you can find it if you search here and I'm sure. I have it on a, a CDR somewhere. Um, so, so uh, it, he he does he quotes uh, he does reference Nathaniel West in this song, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it has great lyrics. Uh, for example, uh, moves until the stars are guardrail. My heart is a, pa- a sand pale in your Toluca Lake. I fucking love that line. I liked. Um, you don't need a passport to know what state you're in. Is yeah. a good one. It's been a long time to figure out what that actually meant. Like, what state? Oh, okay. So, like, mental yeah. state. Yeah, oh. yeah, oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> part of my uh, this is probably the weirdest song on the record to me. It's the weirdest song. Um, it sounds nothing else like that. All I need on the record. It rocks hard. It it's a pretty great song. It does. Um, it kind of has uh, some of the guitar stuff. Kind of has like a like a new wave vibe. Like it's. Uh-huh. It's really cool. Like, I love how they're just kind of drawing influences from everywhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, the, and like I said, the toward synth of this uh, song is probably my favorite sound on the record, honestly. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, then, I think uh, I think this would have even been a pretty decent one for our uh, Kitchen Sink episode, too. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Oh, no. It was it was one that I was considering. Oh, but nice. <laughs> I, I was sort of trying to keep it a secret. Not a secret, but... I, 
I thought there'd be other things. But anyway, we'll go on. Uh, <laughs> then we get into Pike Street slash Park Slope. Uh, he does reference Morrissey in the song again with um, Hate It When Our Friends Become Successful, that, that line. Uh-huh. Which, a Morrissey uh, hey, line. Yeah, another Morrissey line. It sounds a lot like Morrissey, too. It's a, yeah. uh, p- it's a piano ballad. It's got you know, a piano and cello. Yeah, cello comes in about the second verse, I'd say. Um, it's a song. It's just I'm going to read you a nice, which, nice little sad song break. I'll go ahead and read you what uh, Sean Nelson says about this. Yeah. It's a true story. True story. A man once sold his struggling 49-seat Seattle movie house to open the win in New York City, where he felt the audience would be less provincial, more receptive to his bold vision for cinema programming. A couple years later, he returned broke, broken, and bitter. Things didn't the better than they had here. He ran out of seas to blame. Shat to everyone once. So yeah, this the song it basically sounds like someone trying to open trying to open up a movie house. Like, you yeah. know, with a uh, repertory programming, be old <laughs> movies generally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean and it, by the way, the repertory movie house thing, he referenced that in other songs too. Not in this record, but in other places. He talks about repertory movie house. That's something he's really glommed on to for some fucking reason. So um, we kind of hang out at a repertory movie house. Do you feel like your life is becoming more Harvey Danger? I think so, man. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, it has really great lines in this. Um, like you, I know you like the change that says pro- projecting project or protecting that and whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I really love, um, I wrote down just like <laughs> fucking um, just keywords in here. So I'm, I'm trying to decipher what I wrote down. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Just go ahead and find the song on the, on the, on the uh, Spotify. I don't really want to ruin it for you, but it is my second favorite song on the record. Oh, really? Yeah. I've heard covers of it by some band that no one's ever heard of and uh, electric guitar. Oh, it's cover. Harvey Danger. Oh, boom. <laughs> oh, boom. Jam. <laughs> Dang. Uh, oh, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like this song quite a bit. Um, Good piano ballad. And now this, this is the thrilling conversation you've been waiting for. Correct. And uh, what did you think? That's a great song too, but it's yeah, big word. I like this one. This one does another, um, a lot of twists and turns musically and production wise. Um, this was the one I wrote down. Like, I mean, we're pretty deep into the album, but it's just like, I love how interesting the album stays is I feel like, none of the songs overstay their welcome. And even though some of them are pushing five minutes, sometimes they're pushing a little longer. Mm. None of them get repetitive because they keep doing interesting things with the sounds that they have. Like, Oh, if they're going to repeat a line or something like that, it's like, Oh, well, we're going to, we're going to change it slightly. So it's got a new, every time you hear it, it's new. Oh yeah. And this song has a big word. The big words, so ten dollar words in this song too. Yeah, they spent um, a lot of money on words on this one. I know it's uh, probably the biggest part of the budget. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then that leads us into Little Building, which um, little thing they were high as fuck when recording this song. Oh really? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Not when writing, but recording it. And uh, Sean Nelson has a little thing to say about this song too. Well, I pull Let's it hear up. It. Uh, fuck. I, should, I, I thought about putting like stickies in this to um <laughs> to bring me right to where I want to be. Okay, so he says, The loyalty building is Southwest 3rd and Altar in downtown Portland. I saw the painted sign while I was smoking on the roof in an adjacent hotel in the middle of the night and thought I had been put there and it's just so someone could put in a song. Great good fortune indeed. It's a, again, this song has a lot of 
clever, quippy little lines. Um, I see your cat. Yeah, she's just pacing in and out of the room, and I keep seeing her on the camera, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, so what's the building? It's uh, about got a bunch, uh, bunch of interesting sounds in this uh, one. A little background yeah. talking during the part, and um, yeah, I actually think it's 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 my third favorite song on the record. I love. I like this one. It's it's longer. It's jammy. It has the line, uh, or even the part of the line about Molehill Mountain. Yeah, which I really like. It just something something about making mountains out of molehills, and you got Molehill Mountain, and it's like ah. And it talks about a scrape. A fa- scraping coins out of the fountain, dirty old 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 men, dirty young old men, yep. whatever. About, <laughs> you know, talking about presidents, whatever. Um, yep. <laughs> and then, and then we get into uh, underground. Now, I have a little thing about underground. Underground is a cover of a song by a Seattle band called This Busy Monster. The original version of Underground they do sounds like dog shit. It is awful. Oh, really? <laughs> That's a bad song. But this song. Is actually a great song, complete with a banjo and um and some pretty cutting lines. Uh, when when uh the lead singer of this piece of monster talks about this version, he says, "Do not listen to their version. Go listen to what Heart Danger did." Because oh really? <laughs> he says the best thing that's ever come out of that song is this version of it. And um, I, I like this record. one. It had a it almost had kind of like a high school slow dance vibe. Like when oh, yeah. you watch movies, you see the band play that boom 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 bat. Bam, boom, 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 bap. Yeah. Like but, kind of that, but like a little different. Like it wasn't exactly that because it wasn't meant to be like a parody or a reference to it, but it. The, the last part of it is really fucking loud though. You know, like. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. This, this yeah. whole song builds and I love yeah, it. Yeah. And then, and it, it's got cool underwater. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's cool. It's a great, it's a great song. Um, And then. Finally, yeah. Honestly, like. Yeah. I didn't expect a lot of the sounds and. um really the style or any of the songs on this one to be from the band that made flagpole Sitta. Yeah. It sounds like, like I like flagpole Sitta, but it's a very straightforward song. Mm-hmm. It is. And it, it, interesting song about thing about flagpole Sitta. That is a song they thought in one alternate universe that would possibly play in the radio. People, this, this would be the song. And it made that alternate universe happen where they became famous for that one song. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, after yeah. Underground, we get to the final track of the record, and yeah, this the penultimate track. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it it builds in like it fades in to it with some ooze and a dr- drum beat. And um, the, uh, yeah. interesting about this song, it cannibalized another unreleased song called um, "You Look So Happy." So the end part of "Look So Happy" is the beginning of uh, "Same as Being in Love." Yeah, like which is this part. song. Yeah, the, yeah, same as being in love, and um. And in fact, uh, he didn't actually say the ho- he didn't say the love in this, but in the looks so happy version he actually says the same as being in love. But he doesn't do that. Right. <laughs> he just says the same as being in. And then um, yeah, I, I like I really like the some of the lyrics on this one. There's the uh, when you base your whole identity on uh, reaction against reac- somebody. Reaction against somebody, it's the same as being in love. Basically, sorry, I couldn't read my handwriting. Um, but also at some point it's the most intense I've ever heard somebody say liquid paper, liquid paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember I was listening to this song in the, uh, on the way to school with my mom and, uh, she started singing along cause I'd left it in her car and she decided to listen to it. So she was singing along with the, this and I was like, 
this is so cool, but so wrong. She shouldn't like the things I like. <laughs> I went to a Primus show with my mom for basically oh, the same reason. Cause she was like, <laughs> Oh, I like Primus. And my mom looked so out of place at a Primus show. It was really funny. Cause all the people Were kept there asking to smoke coming out of the crowd. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 And like, so she's like standing there and people are like, you like Primus? And she's like, yeah, I love him. And it's like, it, it was really funny, but everyone was super surprised. Oh, that's good, man. I mean, they felt wrong, but hey, you saw Primus, so. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> so, uh, the, I love this record. Uh, I could say, what do you th- What did you think of it? I mean, I love it. But I really I- enjoyed it. Like, you had told me in the past how much you like uh, Harvey Danger and stuff like that, but my only exposure to him was flagpole sitta and it's like i mean yeah that's a good song but (laughs) like i was surprised i guess at how good this was and now i understand it it would be like if Mm. you picked up a matchbox 20 album and it was like oh this is actually good it's not just that one song (laughs) it's not not just (laughs) yeah it's not just smooth featuring santana (laughs) god that's like so fucking awful (laughs) but it gets stuck in your head oh yeah that's a earworm for sure um yeah, this but is, no, I really like this. I thought, um, I thought it was a really good like alt rock album, and I'm I'm legitimately bummed this band isn't bigger because I think I think they have the makings of a band that could have a decent following. Uh, they had they broke up for five years after this record came out, and they got back together and released one more called Little by Little. Um, it's free anywhere. It was it was free. They put, recorded it, put it a bit torn like. The day it was released on purpose. Right. I know. I know that. I know the radio had did that a couple years after that. So whatever, it's a competition. But um, but yeah, they also had the you know the physical version, which I obviously bought. Uh, it came with a it came with a uh, bonus disc of a bunch of songs that they never released and the other versions of songs on the record. But uh, yeah, Harvey Danger and the and the span of the discography. This is a pretty. It's number one easily. Number one. Uh, out of the three records, right? Uh, yeah, but not. I mean, it's not even close. So, I love King James version. I love all of Heaven Danger, but this record has a, a special place in my heart, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, is it different than the rest of their stuff? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's interesting. It one, it, it had, it does have big budget, a lot of money put behind it. Little by little, and uh, the first one where, where the Mary is gone were recorded in that. Maybe one or two thousand dollars. I know that uh, the first one was recorded for two thousand dollars, right? Wow, which is yeah, and the, the little by little, I'm not quite sure how much that cost, but I know it doesn't sound as big as this one. Uh, I really do think that they for their little by little, it has its own thing, so right, yeah, and so uh, that's Harvey Dangers where they make it gone. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Harvey Danger King J's version, you can listen to it on Spotify. Good luck finding that CD. You can't find it fucking anywhere. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's the one record that I would probably, I would spend it, con- drop probably in the hundreds of dollars if I could, like, get a vinyl version of this. It was I don't think least a vinyl version, ex- I don't, yeah, I don't think a vinyl version exists. I know. That's really upsetting because <laughs> the, the other two records aren't vinyl. Um, That's but, so yeah. weird. So that maybe they just don't want to release it. <sighs> Well, I, I I don't even know who would fund it, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. personally. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's Harvey Danger's King James version. And um, if you don't like it, well, fuck you. It's my favorite record. Fight me for it. 
<laughs> well, I don't feel as passionately about this one. Okay. It's not in my favorite. It's my favorite of this band's stuff. Um, but it's probably probably the biggest band I'll talk about because I don't know if I listen to any bands that are much bigger than this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I picked And Justice for All by Metallica. Yes, you did. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, what do we say about Metallica before we introduce the record? Uh, uh, I don't- they had four good albums and... <laughs> <laughs> Is Kill 'em All one of them? Oh yeah, their first four yeah. are great. Their first four are fantastic, fun, just kind of '80s thrash metal. Um, I don't like self-titled or Black Album or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then they just kind of, from that point on, they just kind of made boring like biker butt rock. Yeah, load, reload. I know Garage Inc. and um and a few other Saint Anger or as I call it, where. James Hetfield basically put a trash can as a snare on that record. Oh my god, it's so bad! And uh, I said James Hetfield meant Lars. Yeah, I meant Lars. Lars it's all right. They were all listening to it. it everyone was <laughs> just some kind of mon- like some kind of monster is like one of the best music documentaries because it's just like watching. It's like watching a train wreck. And I, I can't believe that Dave Mustaine shows up in that. Talking about shit from thirty years ago is like. I was really hurt, James. I was really hurt. And Dave Mustang, I don't know if you know Dave Mustang. I knew like Megadeth quite a bit, right? Yeah. Well, I like I like one album by Megadeth <laughs> more than I like anything by Metallica. <laughs> do you but, think they'll show up do you think they'll show up in your list at any point? The Megadeth I, album? I think so. Yeah. I'll what, I'll bring it in at some it? point. Uh Rust in Peace. Okay. The the only thing I, I remember most about Megadeth is that I had a friend's brother who really liked him and I saw that video for Moto Psycho. Like a uh-huh. million times on MTVX. <laughs> yeah, but Dave Mustaine's a huge asshole, so I don't want to say too many too many good things about Megadeth. I can't believe you show up in that documentary. That's <laughs> some kind of monster. I, apparently, apparently, he doesn't like his um, uh, the way he was portrayed in that. Like they edited it down so it made it look like he was just shitting oh, on Megadeth. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like it, well, they did edit it in a way, or at least it appears when you watch it that he's like. Yeah, Megadeth sucks shit. I wish I was in Metallica again, but I think what he was saying was like the perception of it. Yeah, is, yeah, what, okay. is what they've said. Like the he was like putting on like a voice or something like that, or just like, yeah, people see Megadeth is shitty and Metallica's good, and then they cut out the people is people see part. Okay, good. Um but yeah, I feel like I I compared this album a lot, weirdly, to um like Weezer's trajectory. And I okay. feel like Injustice for All is their it's their Pinkerton. Okay, all right. They I love got, Pinkerton. By the way, yeah. by the way, I, I could I, that's actually weird because I I compared King James version to, to uh, Harvey Angel's Pinkerton. I yeah, think. I could definitely see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's their but second record. They got so, yeah. they got really popular um, around like Master of Puppets. Like I think that was kind of like their big one. That's their like blue album. I mean, they had the, the albums before that. Master of Puppets is a really big one. Mm-hmm. They follow that up by the point on this one was like, we're going to show off what we can do. So there's a lot of like, uh, you know, strong drumming from Lars Ulrich, which is weird, really good guitar playing, really interesting song structures, solos, uh, you know, just all that weird stuff. And it didn't quite take off as well. And then they followed this one with a black album, which I feel like is their green album. Their breakout, Uh, their breakout though. Like everyone knows, Everyone in 
who knew guitar at least knew that opening for Enter Sandman. Oh yeah, right? everybody knows Enter Sandman. It's, um, it's like then, a different generation's uh, fucking Stairway to Heaven. Everyone knows Sandman. Sandman. Exactly. You know? And just that one made them the most money. They didn't really, it doesn't seem like they had to try as hard. Mm-hmm. All they could do is just jam easy stock riffs. So um, uh, what we should do is we should uh, introduce the record and then we'll talk about the things we like and don't like about this record. Okay. I think you'll yeah. have more don't like than I do. Uh, <laughs> Okay, uh, so uh, where can this is on Spotify, right? Yeah, I'll make a I'll make a playlist that we'll post alongside the stuff. Um, but yeah, we can. I think a big part of what we're going to end up talking about kind of falls into the history of this album, which I think will be interesting to get into after you listen to it. Okay, so this is Metallica's uh, "Injustice for All." All right, Metallica. Just for all. And justice for all. Uh, so, uh, first off, we're going to address the elephant in the record. I guess the best way to put it. Yeah. Where the fuck is the bass in this record? They took it off. Yeah. And Metallica had final say. So you uh-huh. can't bl- you can't really blame the production because the production staff kept telling them that it needs bass on it. And they were like, fuck you. No, it doesn't. Uh, I'm, sure J- I'm sure Jason Newsted has something to say about it because this is actually the lineup being James Hetfield, Lars Ulrich, Kirk Hammett, and Jason Newsted, right? Right. That's the lineup. And yes, yeah, so this was his first album with them. By the way, guys, I'm not the biggest fan of Metallica. <laughs> Just don't I, don't, I would say you're probably not even the biggest fan of this album. There are parts of it I liked, but we'll <laughs> get to that. Um, there are two things I did not like. Um, I didn't like the the drum mix. It sounded mm-hmm. kind of tinny. <laughs> Later on, weak. You could tell that it wasn't recorded live, which is not something you should be able to tell. But <clears throat> fuck, dude, I think I'm solving this. <laughs> you could tell it wasn't recorded live. You can tell it was also like behind like some sort of glass thing. To me, I I don't like the drum mix. Which but again, it's it's insane because the version we listened to mm-hmm. was the remastered version. And they, how they, does it still sound like shit? Yeah, I, I do know that. I think I read this somewhere that they didn't turn the bass in this version. Because they don't want to be like true to the time it was made. I'm like, well, why'd you remaster it all? Just have the shitty production all the way around if you're going to do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Whatever. They're they're assholes. They turned it down to be assholes. There's quotes from the uh, studio booth of Lars Ulrich saying, turn it down until you can barely hear the bass and then turn it down three more decibels. Like (sighs) they purposely wanted it to be inaudible. Now, I do, I will say that I, do think they're incredible musicians. Uh, like listening to this, let's say this is my first uh, rock record, and I wanted to learn how to play guitar, like uh, Kirk Hammond. I was probably, I probably would have given up. <laughs> like, like, right. Like, like this, the guitar playing in this record is insane. Right. Yeah, I think it has a lot of interesting riffs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it does a lot of really cool things that I like within the. Uh, Metallica discography. I think it's kind of their closest to like a progressive metal album as you're going to get. Like the songs are longer. They're a lot more complicated, different parts. I like you it. Go, you want to go? Yeah. Uh, one go thing, one thing I do want to say is mm-hmm. I realize the production's bad, but I don't think um, 
production necessarily takes away from a bat from a like a good album like if an album's good it can cut through bad production mm-hmm. sometimes like you've got yeah yeah i mean old punk records you've got yeah. that original operation ivy album like <laughs> energy dude i fucking love energy it sounds like garbage though it sounds like shit like yeah <laughs> there are a lot of i mean old ween albums like a lot of a lot of stuff can overcome shitty production if the music is good enough. Um, and I think because the stories on this one are so, uh, so interesting of like them, like turning stuff down and doing all that mm-hmm. weird shit. Um, it makes it so people talk about it more, but I think it does kind of overcome that shitty production threshold. Although it's weird that it has shitty production after they're like currently on this one, like the biggest band ever. <laughs> Let's start with the first song blackened. Right? Yeah. About uh, it's Earth dying, nuclear war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have I have written cold f- cold war frame in mind, and uh, it's it's kind of like a environmentalist song. I want to say. But, oh yeah. I mean, every song in this record is sort of like uh, nihilistic, which is part of the course for Metallica. Um, yeah, it this one's darker, I think, than a lot of their other stuff. It's a it, there's an instrumental break, I guess, in the, basically in the middle of the song. And it's the solo. It's the start of the song. But that's like that's what I have to say about a lot of this record. Every time the Simpsons will break with the record shine through, it's also the star of that song. My favorite part of it. Right. And this is no exception. This song's like also like I think it's like nine minutes long. It's fucking long as shit, man. Yeah, there's a lot of long as shit songs on this album. I would say most of them are above six or seven minutes. And I don't think the songs sound the same. That that which is surprising because. You know, a lot of chugga deal, not a lot of chugga chugga riffs in this. You know, like right, like but uh, interesting chugga chugga. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Good, yeah, nice little. I really like uh, like the doubled up guitar solo, and it's got kind of like start stop riffage, which I really mm-hmm. like. That's kind of the theme of this album. It's got riffage. It's got such good riff. Oh yeah, and I don't think it's butt rock. I mean, this is before they went all butt rock on. This you. is like it. the one album before butt rock. Yeah, <laughs> you're like this is them about to because to me, black album and everything post black album, like you said, it's butt uh-huh. rock, dude. Yeah, so they are at the precipice of butt rock. Yeah, so uh, I found myself I can hear your this. phone. Oh shit! <laughs> oh goddamn! Okay, I turned it off. Uh, <laughs> my brother was calling to call back. Uh, so um, that song's I I I found myself enjoying this song more than i thought i would yeah so yeah uh but, but like i said i'm not a metallica guy and this is pretty <laughs> much the only metallica record you like right pretty much i mean i think master of puppets is pretty good i don't really like ride the lightning kill them all is fun like i think a lot of these albums are enjoyable on a listening to 80s metal is fun kind of thing like i'm having fun with it i'm not necessarily like looking at it like i'm gonna pick this apart and you know, I guess really like take it seriously as art. I'm kind of listening to it to have fun. Although this one kind of treads that line of like, they're being political, they're being dark. So like, maybe I should take a little bit more seriously, but I've been playing a lot of doom and I think eighties metal kind of matches that vibe really well. Okay. Did you listen to uh, playing doom? Uh, I listened to it. Uh, like I, I beat doom before I listened to it. Okay. All right. Yeah. I finished, I finished up the new one. So I was, I was very much in that, yeah, that eighties metal zone. Yeah, I mean it's satanic, right? Like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so after this uh, song, we get into the 
the title track and just yeah the throw. titular track yeah titular there we go that's a good name that's yeah a good it word. starts with some you know nice pretty clean guitars yeah. and then the drums kick in and it's like they almost play the the guitar riff before the guitar riffs come in like it gets a couple measures of you know like kind of hitting the toms and doing stuff like that and then it comes in it's I, like oh shit that's the guitar riff i wrote down clean and dirty and clean and dirty and then it stays dirty you know they do yeah. back and forth beginning um this song if i had to because i'll be honest james Hetfield lyrics aren't that aren't really interesting they're basically just all couplets you know what i mean like like they're they're background for me yeah um but he's, this song God, he's got that unique voice, just the oh, yeah. yeah. I wrote down on one of the page, fire, fire. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but uh, this song's like money is God, like you know, anti-authority. Everyone's you know fucking corrupt and crooked, and yeah, you know, failing justice system. Yeah, and it, this record's kind of political. Right? It's very political. I think it's, yeah, yeah. it's got to be the most political of theirs. This does have a very interesting time signature, though. And uh, the solo break in the middle, I'm pretty. I, it, it made this song feel like two songs, which is great because it's also a very long song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Uh, once the solo came in, I'm like, this isn't. This wasn't hard for me to listen to. And I'm going to say that about the whole record. It wasn't hard for me to listen to. It's just, I don't know, man. Just d- d- didn't. You know, Not your vibe. Up. You've been playing Animal up. Crossing, and I've been playing Doom. You gotta. That's true. You gotta hop on Animal Doom, Crossing. and then maybe you'll get it. <laughs> as a, as a Mar- Mars play a lot of Crossing to your way or your fiance, Yeah, I've, right? I've been hopping on there every so often. Have you have you have you been giving your input on how the island should look, or is that her? Yeah, we've been we've been trading off. Okay. I mean, I've I, been, I, I she, need, she takes I, the switch over the majority of the day, so I don't have a chance uh, to really play it until all the shops are closed. So I don't progress uh, very yeah. much. Uh, I uh, I named our out. I named our island, and that's pretty much all I was able to do. <laughs> I see I, it every time you log on, and I laugh every time. <laughs> yeah, the name of my island is I Heart Satan, and um, it's amazing. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I I think it's a very inspired choice for me to name the island that. But anyway, let's get to back to <laughs> Metallica. Which, um, Eye of the Beholder, which I think this one does have a very chug chuggy riff. But I think the the chord choice is really interesting because a lot of people just kind of ride on like an open E or something like that. But this has kind of some like tritones in there and you've got some kind of dissonant chords, which I think are really cool. But I, I did say that uh, the um, I did write down chugga burr, chugga burr, chugga burr, burr. Like that's what yeah. I wrote down. Chugga chug, chugga chug, chugga chug, chugga chug, chugga chug, chugga chug, Yeah. Um, I, I do like the breaks mid-verse in this song. They break mid-verse like they have a sort of like stop it and they do a different sort of time signature for a second. Yeah. And the chorus said that actually this song keeps it interesting. Um, uh, the chorus is, it slows it down, breaks it down a bit and it breaks the monotony of the chickabur. You know yeah. I mean? That's that's one thing I really like about this album is it feels like they're fitting, I don't know, 10 pounds of riffs in a two pound bag. Like they're just, yeah. they're cramming as many riffs in there as they can and i think for the most part they all kind of fit together one of the things i found interesting about the beholder is that has a clean intro and then the clean intro somehow finds its way near the end of the song too but uh, a very toward version of it like oh yeah they turned on its head they they reinvented it to make it a pretty bang banging riff you know yeah um, i agree and the solos on on this one i put solos are fun because it's a fun solo to listen to it's definitely it's like basically kirk hammett it's like he's like showing everyone his uh 
squeaky clean asshole and how good he is guitar. <laughs> like that's what I got out of this one. He is insane um, at guitar. Um, but more did you ever want the, did you ever want his guitars? Want any of his guitars with the little old monsters drawn on it? No, no. I, I never, I never really got too much into like metal guitar stuff. I never wanted to be like a shred guitar guy. Yeah. I'll probably never play a guitar solo in my life, or at least a like a real one. I have a phone Sheraton. That shit's, shit's hardest plays a guitar solos on for me. At least it's so uh-huh. fat, and you know, I, I but I love my guitar. It's so pretty. Yeah, I'm looking, at right, I'm looking at it right now. I remember the first night I got with that, I slept with it in my bed. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, I have my tax return. I went straight to Guitar Center. I, I want that. So dang, yeah, knew what you wanted. Um, yeah. and th- along with the political vibe on this one, it's kind of about freedom of expression. Uh, I believe it's a reaction to the the PMRC, which was like a I guess censorship group in the eighties trying to. Parents- Parents Music Resource Center. Yeah, but that's where like the parental advisory sticker comes from is you they were basically trying to decide what music was good, what music was bad and try to keep it out of children's hands. But it ended up backfiring and they ended up selling more albums uh, Yeah, like that had parental Tipper, advisory stickers. Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife was a big figure in it, but it was really a bipartisan thing. But yeah, PMRC, fuck them. Uh, yep. I've, I'm, I don't know if you've been online and seen Frank Zappa uh, go to Congress and talk about it, but it's yeah. an amazing interview. Yeah, him well, and so D. Snyder even. D. D. Snyder's a badass one to talk about, too. I fucking love D. Snyder. Yeah, because a lot of them, uh, like the D. Snyder one was like, they were like, this song is Under the Knife is about, you know, S&M and stuff like that. And he's like, it's about going into surgery. He's like, if you think it's about S&M, that's on you, but it's very clearly about surgery. I remember a congressperson asked him the name of the same club because it's Twisted Motherfucking Sisters. <laughs> I was like, yes, he said motherfucking. And he had yeah. no like qualms about saying it. I was like, that's amazing. The Frank Zappa but, one is also super funny because the one that they wanted to uh, censor was an album called Jazz from Hell which is entirely instrumental and it has a song on it called G spot tornado, but there's no bad, like there's no bad words on the album. It's, it's just like a jazz album. Well, kind of it's, it's weird. It, it's like a, like a synthesizer thing. I, I think it's called a synclaver that he uses. It's really weird. I really like the album, but it's yeah. like, how do you censor this? It's instrumental music. Yeah. When, by the way, I want to mention that when you get the uh, oddball and a uh, outsider music, I thought they might send like a Frank Zappa record or a uh, Captain Beefheart record, you know? Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't send any of that stuff, which is fine. Which I'm super happy with what I got. I'm curious if a lot of those show up in like their, their essentials one that they sent oh, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the song that was probably the most song I've heard on the radio most times. Yeah. This is, uh, this this is the big one. It's, uh, one. it's the big one. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like a post-war soldier potentially based off Johnny, get your gun. Yeah. Um, but I love, I love how much it changes. Like it, it starts with, I think pretty guitars, very clean. Um, it's, it's pretty. Yeah. James Hetfield attempts to sing on it. This is the quote unquote sad song in the record. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause it's not angry. A lot of these are dark and angry. This one is dark and sad. Yeah. Um, and also I put it down in quotes, Hamlet, look what I can do. <laughs> like, like that, mm-hmm. there's a like because 
the song starts out sad and kind of soft and slow and has basically a gentrifield kind of crooning, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. But it does, it, it's a grower. It builds. Um, uh, the, the, it goes in the, I wrote down bridge goes hard. Like a, it goes pretty hard. And, this, um, this thing gets so, it gets so shreddy. Um, and it's usually by this point that I'm like, you know what? It's nice to just like listen to thrash metal every so often. Like it's not a mood yeah. I'm always in. I'm not a metal head, but Lars shows off his double bass, you know, like he, yeah, he knows know, what he's doing. Yeah. He's a good, good, he's a good drummer, but he's just sometimes. such a douche nozzle. Yeah. Oh, yeah I think, I think when he's into the music, he's a good drummer. I, I feel like a lot of the, some kind of monster stuff was him attempting to make whatever the fuck they're writing on guitar. Interesting. I don't appreciate his, I don't appreciate his tennis shorts while he's drumming. And that's always wearing. Yeah. I don't appreciate that. Don't appreciate it. <laughs> no, you gotta no. stay cool. While, you gotta stay cool while you're drumming. Pop your shirt off, yeah. put on some tennis shorts. Isn't it weird that he's like a star tennis player? Is he really? Yeah. Did you know that? That's I had no idea. Drum- yeah. He's a, he was a star tennis player before he was a drummer. So weird. There we go. Yeah. Um, um, but I don't know. I like this song. I Yeah, I do. I do too, actually. I, it was, yeah. I think it was on one of the Guitar Heroes, and that that might have been one of the first places I heard it, because I didn't I didn't listen to Metallica until high school. And you had that. Uh, I mentioned that when I was growing up in uh, Texas, Dallas, the the local rock station, 97 Eagle, every night they had something called Mentor Metallica. But they played an hour of Metallica, and this is every night. You said that uh, the place you grew up had the same thing? Yeah, uh, one of the radio stations uh, local here in Kansas City does like a Metallica hour. I don't remember which one, but I was my car was dead for a couple of weeks. I was borrowing a car from uh, the shop, so I had to listen to uh, the radio, which I hate. (laughs) I hate the radio. I try like I love independent radio. I think that's really cool. But like mainstream radio is like you I know, like I'm coming off very, very hipster and very arrogant right now, but it it's very clear that it's all owned by one company, mm-hmm. and like I I listen to the radio here, and I've heard stuff in like Colorado or different places that I go, and it's like those motherfuckers are making the same jokes. Yeah, the thing is, man, I, I moved from Dallas to Clear Clear Channel owned the radio station there, and they edited stuff weird stuff out, like for example, uh. They edited out, um, you know that song "What What I Got" by Sublime. Yeah. Um, they edited out the just like words from songs. So they like, edit out. Uh, it's just out of anger and Mossook spot. They just took out the smoking pot. This song, and I'm like, what the fuck happened to it? Like it comes together like that. And that um, then the end part of the rich song, "Fuck you, don't do what you tell me." And here they actually just take out the fuck and just do that whole part. They just cut that whole part of the song out. Like it's so uh, weird. Yeah, it's weird because uh, it's like, oh, okay, let's take out anything subversive out of music, out of rock music, which is yeah. supposed to be subversive. But anyway, in the in the mandatory Metallica hours, uh, I almost never hear any of the Metallica songs I actually like. It's like, here we go, <laughs> an hour of Inter Sandman only. <laughs> That's a fuck. All right, here we so go. That, so one to me, the one before we get into the next one. One is kind of a red herring song. There's nothing on this album that sounds anything real like one after on it. This is like a, a, a song that stands alone and how different it sounds from the rest of the record. Yeah. So the cheese stands alone. 
Yeah, she stands alone. Um, and then mu- we get we get to shortest straw, which musically is my favorite song on the album. Um, or chuggity chuggity burr. Yeah, I love chuggity burr. Like I love <laughs> I love chug- I love chuggy shit if it's done well. Yeah. Um, not a not like a huge fan of Mashuga or like gent music in general, but those guys know how to chug pretty well sometimes. And this has a really impressive solo on this record on this song. I really love the solo in this. Um, yeah. And the songs certain songs based about Red Scare, shit ain't free, you know. Like another. Yeah, it's also it's also got a bit a little bit more kind of like freedom of expression, mm-hmm. political views. Yeah, Red Scare, kind of like McCarthyism. Yeah, yeah. but. The lyrics, I feel like, don't age super well because you've got, uh, you know, Nazis are back. And the whole song (laughs) is about, you know, kind of like, oh, every political ideology is valid. Um, They even (laughs) use the words witch hunt at some point. And it's like, I'm like, great. Fuck. (laughs) Um, But I they're definitely talking about like communism and socialism and stuff like that not just yeah, being a yeah. racist asshole yeah and I, I i just know that none of these songs <laughs> would turn racists off of it <laughs> like 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 uh i think that there's a when it comes to the 80s thrash metal there was probably a nazi element to a lot of the bands that were in that area so i mean like nuclear assault i think was there are nuclear assault records at some point right uh-huh i don't yeah, so maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> Moving on to Harvester of Sorrow, which is I guess the most I guess it's um is it the most personal song on the record? It's up there. This one and Dyer's Eve are are pretty personal. This one I feel like is both super dark and oh wait, no, it's the next song I'm t- I'm thinking of. <laughs> but no, this one this one might be the um uh, the darkest one. It's very it's pretty personal. Um, you know what I really like about this song? Go ahead. What's that? Ahead, sorry. Uh, the, the drums in this, uh, he does a kind of primal tribal thing throughout the uh-huh. song. And I fucking love that. That, that, that was a, the first thing I sort of uh, lashed me on to this song. I really enjoyed that part. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's interesting. I think it's a good one. Uh, the It's not as like political, maybe it's political, social issues, but, you know, talking about like domestic abuse. But I, it does seem to kind of have, at least for the 80s, a more progressive spin to it in that, like, mm-hmm. men aren't immu- uh, uh, immune to domestic abuse. Like, I yeah, I feel like a lot of people still, honestly, don't really accept that that's a thing that happens, but... Yeah. It's a, it's a cool song name, too. Harvester Sorrow, Keith Straight for the Chorus. It's... Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, but I do want to mention that, you know, that the uh, progressive ideas they had in this song are completely obliterated by the next song. Oh god. I will say sanity. there's one there's one oh. song on here that which is the next song, Freight Ends of Sanity, which we can talk about. It's uh, so ch- it's so cheesy. It's got like the Wizard also, of Oz ooh at the end. He has like a weird like they, ah, ha, ha, ha. And it it's weird that he trivializes mental illness like I've never heard in this song, like any songs before. It is the eighties, so I can sort of understand the uh lack of self-awareness when it comes to that but we don't understand what schizophrenia means yeah yeah but it's a paranoid song everyone's after me so it's pretty cool which is always a highlight of any song in this record is the solo yeah uh, it, it's got it's got good riffage um as i feel like only, most of the songs do 
OEO though, I couldn't help but kind of be like, really? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's bad. It's it's bad. It ends on the like ahaha laughing yeah. thing, which is it's also cheesy, like I, I'm not a big fan of Fraid's Ends of Sanity, except for like the the actual music part of it. But I think what happened when right. I was when I heard the song, I saw James Hetfield just with his mullet laughing the whole time, like just the still yeah. of that. But um, Fraid's Ends of Sanity, okay, yeah. So but that one's easy to move on from. We'll go to "To Live Is to Die," which is instrumental, and this one does have a bit of a story to it, and, and it's a bit actually of bass even. Right, and that's that's why the story on it's important because it was the last song uh, written by Cliff Burton, or at least he was working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the bass has to be present because he used to be the bass player. Uh, mm-hmm. For those not in the know, um, he died in a bus accident while they were touring. Um, and it was, I mean, it was sad. It sucks. Uh, so they had a new bass player on this album, which a lot of people speculate that that's why they turned the bass down so much was as like a, like a hazing kind yeah. of ritual or they didn't want to uh, dishonor cliff or something like that. But this is the only one you can actually hear some bass on because it was, you needed it. Um, it um, reminds me a lot of Orion for master of puppets, which is a okay. really good song on there. Um, but yeah, the only lyrics in this one are, it's like a little spoken word thing, which is half of a halfway a quote and then half, Cliff Burton kind of like adding on and riffing on the quote. Yeah. Paul Paul Gerhardt was a quote of poem of his. Um, okay. I can't stand the drum mix in the song at all. I fucking hate the drums in the song. <laughs> hate them. Hate them. Uh, but but I do like the beautiful parts of this song. That it gets ferocious at points, but the the really pretty parts of this song are really pretty. And yeah, again, the musicianship top notch. I I can't deny how great musicians they are. Like, like they, they have chops that are unmatched to most of the stuff I listen to, you know? Right. Yeah. They they were, they were at some point good musicians. They were very well-respected musicians. Now they're almost kind of a joke. I think so. Yeah. They, they lost something with a black album. Um, But this song leads immediately into Dyer's Eve with like a, uh, they're playing kind of like this acoustic riff that opens and closes to live is to die. Oh, and then it just immediately. Release. No. Yeah. Hit me. What you got? It said, I said it explodes in like this song starts out exploding. It goes straight in to fucking heavy. Yeah. Is that well, they, the they interrupt. They interrupt the, uh, the acoustic uh, guitar playing. Like they don't let it finish its phrase. It's just like, boom. And it, it surprises you. This is the heaviest song on the record and the fastest. Oh, definitely. Right? And but I love it does this thing that almost makes it sound faster, um, where it like it like slows down like duh, 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 duh. and then it just kicks it duh, 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 and like it make it makes the song sound faster and it just kicks in it's super a, hard. It's a great closing song, like yeah. Like, uh, and so first I I didn't I didn't really think much of the sequencing, but this is a great way to close out the record. Um, yeah. But this I, I one's the, super, super personal. Like this is like a letter from James Hetfield to his parents because he had a yeah, pretty rough mad, childhood. Um, mad at parents for sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> he actually he actually drops the fuck word in this song. The only cursing on the record. And it yeah. drops. Uh, he drops the heaviest one you can do. The f word, yeah. fuck word. It's the big bad one. PMRC is yeah. coming for him. Yeah. 
Uh, the solos are great in this song, and it, it's the song that's generally the heaviest, and I think my favorite on the record. It's a good one. It might be my second favorite. Okay. I don't know. I, I think one thing I like about this album and why I like it so much is it's it's got a short track list, and every song mm-hmm. stands out and stands on its own. So it's like I'm sitting here like, okay, yeah, Shortest Straw is my favorite. And then I'm sitting here thinking, I was like, oh, well, Dyer's Eve. Oh, fuck, Dyer's Eve's pretty good. And then I'm like, well, one... One stays pretty interesting. That's pretty good. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but I kind of like the like the slower kind of chuggy sound. Like I find myself kind of jumping between which songs I like because it's like mm-hmm. I'll try to compare it. And then it's like, ah, oh, fuck. But, you know, I have the beholder. That is pretty good. <laughs> oh, justice for all. You know, that one really sticks in your head. But oh, blackened. That's a class. Like they, there's just so much on here that I I like. I mean, obviously, Freight Ends of Sanity is not going to make <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, so, they're uh, all good, except maybe Freight Ends of Sanity, although it does have good riffage. So in your uh, knowledge of Metallica, this is your favorite Metallica record? Yeah, I've listened. Okay. I At some point, I've listened to every Metallica album. Okay. Um, all right. And they some come close. I think Master of Puppets come clo- comes close. Kill Em All comes close. I'm, I'm in a minority, and I just don't like Ride the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good. It's really interesting. They were trying they were trying something new. They were trying something cool, like kind of pushing themselves to do something, and then they realized they didn't have to push themselves very hard, and then they never pushed how, themselves again. How often do you visit Metallica? Not just this record, Metallica in general. Not often. I'm I'm not ever, and I I don't get into like a thrash metal mood super often. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do, it's like I'll generally listen to this album. I'll listen to Rust in Peace um, and some other things. Like, there's not a lot of thrash metal bands I like. I'm not big on Slayer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I can't say I ever visit Metallica unless you had me listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, I I mentioned to the audience that we had technical difficulties, so I listened to this record twice. So. Yeah, because you had to do it a do it a second time because it didn't yeah, yeah. record the first time we did it. Yeah, I don't know. But I, 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 I don't know. Did you, did you find it? Did you find I more to things, appreciate the second time through? I did. I did. I knew what to expect. I you know because I I went in sort of blind and I you know it's like okay each song's an experience I guess so uh, yeah. I found, did you listen I found to the, the the and. Jason for all or whatever version, the one that had no, the bass no, added back in. No, I should do that though. I should more. too. I haven't. No. Um, but I mean, I think there's something to be said. It seems like what you're saying is you don't like it, but you chose to <laughs> listen to it a second time, even though your notes were still perfectly intact. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like uh, <laughs> I think the only thing I wrote down the second time that uh, I didn't have the first one is the way that um, James Fedfield's, Says fire on the first on the first song. Yeah, because he didn't say fire. He says fire. So um, and he, you know, he's trying to sound ferocious, which I guess works. Sure, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, he has an interesting vocal delivery, but I don't know if I'd want anyone else really popping in. It it works. The the, the thing though is that is that it's definitely no one can copy it because it's so signature him. Yeah, you know, like like they go, hey, you're just copying James Hetfield. Someone. Try to do what he did, did, which is that's something to be said about that, you know, like in a good yeah. way. <laughs> He's got a unique voice. It's not the most yeah. technically proficient, but it's no. good. Yeah. 
Uh, cool. Well, that was Injustice for All by Metallica. Um, so we should, got, yeah, we should uh, go into little... what our next what our next theme is. So uh, I drew it last time. <laughs> um, uh, our next theme is soundtracks. And yeah. Well, why don't definitely. you why don't you shake the bag around to uh, complete uh, the illusion? All right. Hold on. Then one second. <laughs> Give me one second. <laughs> See, this stuff's really important to uh, for immersion. There All we right. go. Okay. Pulling out of the hat. And oh, look, good soundtracks. Oh, soundtracks. my God. What yeah. a surprise. So, so we'll talk about what that means to us in the next episode because we always try to keep it a little interesting that way. Yeah. Um, uh, now, do you have anything else going on? Uh, yeah, I'm in a band called Smell. That yeah, yeah. you can hear as our opening and our closing, yeah. um, because why not just source your own music when you're coming up with intros and outros? Uh, we mm. released a new album back in February called "It's uh, It's Smell" with a question mark, right? It's like smell? yes, smell. Yeah. Uh, called Euphonot, and it's uh, it's free. It's on Bandcamp. Just smell. Both of our albums are on there. They're both free. Feel free to listen to them. They've got some... The new one has an updated version of our outro, and the our opener is on our first album. Um, but I don't know. I'm pretty proud of the four songs we put together. No, I, I really liked it. I really liked it, that EP. Um, do you, we got, do a, we got I, a clarinet I, player on that oh, one, yeah. just because we knew one. And, uh, yeah. So. I, in fact, when I was trying to think of the outro for this song, for the, for the podcast, you actually... Recommend that part of that song. It is perfect. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, but what about what about yourself? What do you got going on? Okay, I do another podcast called Movies That Don't Suck and Some That Do. I do it weekly. Um, we tend to do new movies, uh, and obviously, since we're in this quarantine, we are just scouring streaming services. I think by the time this comes out, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but by the time this comes out, uh, I think we just talked about Parasite, which I've seen, but Neil hasn't. And uh, Kareem and Coffee, or Coffee and Kareem. Whatever. Netflix and Hulu. <laughs> I like Parasite <laughs> a lot. Yeah, Parasite is is a great movie. And uh, we're finally we're finally doing a, a uh, review. I, I want to do a review on it long before One Best Picture. But my uh, my co-host, I don't know if he likes movies with subtitles, which is a shame. Uh-huh. Um, I'm actually really curious to hear what he thinks of it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I'm re-watching it tonight just to be, be in the same uh, mind space. Uh, I watched it a pirated copy the first time I saw it, uh-huh. and it, it was kind of choppy. Like like the it would it wasn't perfect. So I'm glad I'm able to watch it in its purest form. So, nice. We saw it in theaters. We uh, we wanted to see something, and I had a friend who saw it. I think we saw it like the very last night. It was in theaters. Like we really pushed it. We um actually uh, I watched it on a uh, on a thumb drive or a hard drive that. I borrowed, and I had friends over, and we had Korean food to watch. Oh, nice! Yeah, so we had the whole thing going on. Uh, but yeah, man, I do. I do that. The podcast comes out uh, every week. Um, we skip and that's a week movies that and, suck and some that movies that don't suck and some that do. Yeah, please put the whole name. There is another podcast that came out like a couple months ago called Movies That Don't Suck, and I, I thought about emailing them, telling them to stop, but I'm not that guy. So yeah. Well, it's you maybe maybe don't send them like an email that says hey stop but just like hey heads up I I see that you guys are new um, 
we're over 100 episodes in, so don't want don't want you getting people getting confused with what you got. So yeah, uh, I, you'll I be hearing from my lawyers. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember like a, like a couple months ago, I was telling I was talking about Leslie. Maybe you should copyright the name. And then I realized I'm not making money from the podcast, so I probably why would I do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's for passion. Yeah, it's for passion. So uh, I mean, we're 111 episodes in. Uh, and our name shows up first anyway. Like, <laughs> like if you search up movies that don't suck on Google, the one that shows up first is ours. So nice. And, until they get, and, oh yeah, and their and their uh, and their uh, show card looks like um, MS Paint. So, you know, whatever. Oh, now we're talking shit I, on them. Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry. Guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I do a podcast. But hey, we're coming for you, other Record Night podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm really surprised that it doesn't exist, by the way. I was able to get the Record Night Facebook, by the way. Facebook.com slash Record Night. Oh yeah, um, Record Night, Record Night uh, pod on Instagram, I believe. Yeah, and you can just email us uh, old-fashioned recordnightpod at uh, gmail.com. Yeah, if you have any theme ideas, feel free to send them to us because we, we will eventually run thin. Yeah. Of of what and we've got, and we would we would love to at least have episodes that you would like to listen to. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, I'm wondering how this one will, will be uh, received. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. I, I imagine at some point I'll make a Twitter and we might do something on that. I don't know. Sure. Right. That one's yeah. gonna be on you. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I, mean, I feel like I could share music news, but th- that's so broad. I mean, and there's not much going on unless, I mean, I don't know. It's, a lot of people doing concerts. Yeah, a lot of people doing a live stream concerts. I, I shared a uh, video of Jeffrey Lewis doing a new song here about the coronavirus. Nice. We're pretty, we're pretty active on Instagram. I post what I'm listening to on the story pretty often, so if you want to get in on some record discussion or anything like that, feel free to follow us and hit me up, or I don't know, if you guys want to send, a, send me stuff. I, I listen to anything. I need something to listen to. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, you'll have the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm home all, right. all the time. But so that 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 was yeah. that was episode twelve. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Have a good night. Bye.